0: Hello and welcome to another edition of um, my podcast Doing Things Better and Doing Better Things Um, Today's podcast is with Holly Murchison Holly runs a company called Oratory Glory And I met Holly on social media um, My word, I don't know, maybe five years ago And, And I just loved the way she communicated And the way she portrayed herself and and what she was doing and and unbeknownst to me she, she she really liked the way that I did the same and then we met um, at the do lectures I think I can't remember actually anyway we met and we just got on like a house on fire subsequently Holly attended and then spoke at, at the do lectures and then spoke at team do as well last year and um, Holly's whole thing is finding and owning your voice. And her story is incredible. Watch her do lectures. We don't go into her, her whole story in, in the podcast. That's not what these podcasts are about. You, I don't try and cover the things that you can find out elsewhere. I try and uncover new things. Um she's she's just an amazing woman, a beautiful soul, and um I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed recording this one. Um and it's one of the only ones that my wife insisted she sat in on. She's um really uh, inspirational. Okay, enjoy it. How are you Mark? I'm really good. Yeah, really good. Is it sunny over there?
1: Um I'm in San Francisco. It's super foggy.
0: <laughs> it's a, a normal day in San Francisco.
1: Uh it's so gray, but we're at this place that's like right on the Golden Gate Bridge, so it's it's still beautiful even in it even in the crazy-ass fog.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Is that where you live now?
1: No, I live right now in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
0: Okay, and you're enjoying it there?
1: You know, it's pretty slow. I'm a city kid, and I'm always moving, so it was, like, a very painful lesson and like, learning how to slow down. Um, But it's cool. It's cool. We're going to get an apartment there and just kind of, like, as you can see, I feel like I'm on the move like every other day, so so, so what, like setting up, setting up shop now, like setting up home somewhere.
0: So why did you choose there?
1: Um, you know, my partner and I were ready to relocate from the Bay Area. Um, like we made some great community connections, and sometimes you just reach that moment where you're like, I need to step outside of my comfort zone and like grow somewhere else. So we had our sights on Atlanta, and we were like, uh, my book tour is getting ready to start, so let's move to North Carolina in the meantime because my partner's mom has a house there so we can be closer to Atlanta to check out houses and move after the tour but the tour ended up in like Singapore and Africa and Amsterdam and we didn't realize we were going to be all over the place like that so we're like let's just let's be still this year and plan to move like into a house in 2019.
0: So you're going to move to Atlanta in 2019?
1: You know Mark I feel like I feel like I'm in this space where so many new possibilities present themselves like every week. So I'm just like, we're we're thinking about New Orleans now um, and then buying a larger house in uh, Atlanta. Cause we're experimenting with like, what does it look like to have home in multiple places? So New Orleans and Atlanta, um, but I'm constantly traveling for work. So like right now I'm in San Francisco and I, I hope to be in London soon.
0: Hey, um, it's been
1: an adventure, man.
0: Well, look, don't don't dither with Atlanta, okay? So it's, it's my currently my favorite US city. I absolutely love it. I think it's so it. cute
1: that you love Atlanta, man. I, I don't <laughs> just love
0: it, I fucking love it. Holly. I find it just the friendliest city, the most warm and engaging people.
1: Yeah. I've
0: ever met in my in my life. I I, I walk along the street and people stop and they talk to me and they ask me how i am but but there's a it was a really distinct difference and i love that's it
1: that's hospitality my friend
0: I, I i love it i would move there tomorrow um and, and really? yeah and like you we, i'm thinking and nick's thinking maybe living in more than one place is is a, is a possibility at some point once the once yeah. the kids are old enough you know that's we,
1: how people like us do man we yeah. need to be like experiencing multiple different cultures and places to make like
0: totally. You still there, Holly? Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Can um, you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I lost you for a bit. Okay, so look, um this is a really simple and gentle podcast. It's just a conversation. Um the whole idea is I want to talk to those people who who make things better and who make better things. And I, I'm absolutely besotted by what you do. I love what you do <laughs> and you do it in a really elegant way as well. And I, so I want to talk to you about how people find their voice and how and how you found your voice. And, and the, that last bit we'll do first and that can be real quick. Because we can people can go online and they can see you do lecture and they can see a load of other talks that you've done about your story but a really quick sort of like five minute version of of how you found your voice and then what I want to crack on with your mission and and the things that you' you've got to do before they they, they they burst out of you
1: Wow yeah let's do
0: it cool so ta- <laughs> so, ta- so, ta- so tell me about tell me about Holly
1: I love that you start with that question. I, um, man, I just want my children to be able to create what they want to do in the world um, in a system that's equitable and just, right? So if I know that's the future that I want for myself, I'm constantly working on projects with like my closest friends who I think are brilliant or um, companies who are invested in social impact or just people who um, know how important it is for their voices to be heard in the world. Like, I thrive in, in creating spaces and experiences that allow people the capacity to do just that. Um, and that's, like, what I feel my, my purpose is. So that's what I do. Um, what that looks like is oh my gosh, it can look like a number of things from a podcast to like writing a book to uh, helping a company develop a storytelling program to, um, it's, it's I'm constantly, I was watching a, a Will Smith video the other day and he was like, you have to exist at the edge of your capabilities. And I was like, oh shit, that's, yeah. Um, so that's who Holly is, someone Pushing it to the limit to exist at that edge.
0: That's incredible. And how do you create? You talked about you talked about uh, creating the um, the environment or the conditions for for people to to grow. What does that look like in a world where we've democratized creativity via the internet and increasingly university degrees don't matter anymore, and and mm. and, and and you could argue. That this is the time of the greatest opportunity. Absolutely. How do you do what you do in that environment? Because because it, it, there's so much. Where, where, where do you even begin to start?
1: <laughs> That's a great question, and it. I mean, it looks different depending on. Like first, it's like understanding the community that you're working with or, you know, the culture that you're working within um, and helping people identify, like, what are those areas of discomfort for you? Like, right, what are those edges for you? Um, And what do we need to create to push you to those edges? So um, there's a college I work with in Ohio. Uh, It's a music conservatory school and private liberal arts college. And it's like, well, these liberal arts college students are wondering, how do I articulate what I've learned over the last four years in the world of work when I want to make a contribution? Like, what does that look like? Um, and it's really asking them, like, what do you want to learn? You know, where do you need to grow? And helping them identify those areas and then curating an experience around that area. Um, and that is like the process for client to client. And you've got to just give it the space to grow into what it's, what's necessary and what's useful.
0: What, what what if they what if they shy away from the areas that they need to be in or or, or the edges that are uncomfortable because if someone goes and pokes me in a bruise I, I'll ask them not to poke me in a bruise I'll ask them to poke yeah. me somewhere that's not sore how do you I don't ask them to poke me at all actually but how, <laughs> how do you how do you stop people put putting the car in reverse away from that edge? I'm finding almost like a false plateau, a false hill that isn't really an edge, but they're kind of making it out to be because it's easier than confronting their real edge. and And how do you even? How do you even know?
1: Mm. I think it's like like first. I think it's before you go to the poking. It's um, you go to the becoming, right? You go to the self development. It's like how do I need to grow in my own person to then be able to identify like my uncomfortable areas? Um, And I think, you know, for myself, that was a journey last year. Um, I traveled around the world doing a ton of speaking engagements and I was facilitating this conversation around the necessity to become who you are, right? The necessity to to dig to those edges and figure out how you wanna make a contribution to the world And then articulate that, you know, in whatever spaces you work in, whether it's your office, whether it's, you know, you on campus, whether it's with your peers, but intentionally talking about that so that you can build tribes, right? Like build community with people to do it together. Um, But first it's like understanding that you are capable of doing that. And so for me, being on a stage throughout last year was like, oh shit, like I can't just talk this talk. Like, am I doing this too with my team? And it caused me to, you know, take this inventory of, Who are are you who you're saying you are? You know, like, are you doing what you're most passionate about? Um, And then choosing the right people around me to hold me accountable for doing that. Um, So I was just mirroring that conversation out to other people to encourage them to do the same. And once you plant that seed of like, oh, shit, like, I really can do whatever I choose to do, like, whatever I choose to create. We're here to be creative beings. Um, And if I find the right community, I can do that wherever I am. Um, so that self-development seed is like the first step and then you can get to poking.
0: okay, that's interesting. And what if um there's loads of things there actually Holly uh, if i don't if I don't ask you, remind me to come back to how you build a team with mm. with, with trust rather than control. Um, but but you just you mentioned something then um, and it and it kind of, it necessitates your process. And, and, and I loved the before the poking, you've got to go to the becoming. I love that quote. And I am going to make that a quote for you. Um, mm-hmm. What if you don't know what you want to do, Holly? Uh, Not you, but the client. Yeah, kind of no.
1: It. I don't know. I feel like, and I know responsibility is like a, a big word to use for it, but I feel like it's our responsibility to uncover that, right? And that process can be fun if we choose to be like, right? You know, and I know when we were kids, we explored our curiosity, like, all day. It was just what we did as kids. And I think, like, the process of becoming and not knowing what you want to become is fine. Like, the idea is that you explore the things that you're passionate about, the things that make you curious, until you figure it out. It's like an onion. Um, And I think, uh, you know, Jay-Z was saying in an interview recently, sometimes when people have to go inward, that it scares them they're afraid to do the work so they walk away from it
0: exactly so it's
1: easy to not explore it but if we are to like become who we are like make our biggest impact and like fulfill our dreams then we have to do the work so
0: and i'm i'm with jay-z i like Um, (laughs) jay-z
1: me too man his interviews are freaking great The, the, the content he's putting out right now is incredible too
0: I think, I think he's incredible, and I think the least thing he's good at is rapping, actually. I think all the
1: other stuff's incredible. <laughs> but that's the easiest part for him. I saw him in concert in Portland a couple of weeks ago. He's brilliant, man. Really? Oh, I'd love to have Yeah, he's to so that. good. His live show is amazing.
0: Okay, that's on my, on my to-do list. I'm in Atlanta in about four weeks' time. Um, I'll, I'm, yes. I, 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 we tried to see a few gigs last time we were there, actually, but it all kind of fell apart. But I will make sure I see somebody or something in Atlanta when I'm there.
1: Please. Atlanta's a great place to catch a show.
0: Yeah, where did we. Masquerade. We went to a club called Masquerade. I really enjoyed it. It was a really nice place.
1: They found some great spots.
0: So, I'm going to push you back on this. Okay. Because I work with people who are nearly 50 and older who still haven't mm. worked out what they want to do and they ask me what they want to do what they should be doing and it's not my I mean I work in the same way as you I help people find their thing yeah I help people I don't help people find words like you do but I help people move beyond the artificial horizon that they've set themselves mm-hmm. and and I always start with you know what do you do in your spare time what what would you do if you if you'd only if you only had tomorrow what would what would it be that you did um how, how do you get a handhold on that? Where do you put that first key? How do you do that?
1: Uh, like the key to get them engage, like engaged in the process? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon. I, I start with the why. Like, I think, And I think like if you are 50 and you don't know what you want to do, it's like, fine. It's not that you don't know what you want to do. It's that you don't know what you want to do next. And becoming is like an ongoing thing. Like we evolve and shed layers. Like I've, I've known you for what, four or five years now? Yeah. And I've seen you like evolve and do so many different things through that time. So um, I think the first one is like starting with why and having people reset and ask like, oh, why am I still doing this now? Because you can be in a job for like 20 years. And the reason why you started 20 years ago isn't necessarily the reason you're still doing it now. And so having people ask themselves that question is like, oh shit, let me let me refresh. Like, what what is like my reason for this? Um, it's, it's... And having them assess their own why is like, okay, now we can now we can dig in and do some deeper work because you've redefined, you know, the why.
0: I think you're right, and, and there's a there's a kind of why backlash with some people over here, and 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 I and I see it with some of my friends on blogs and instagram and it's you know what if you haven't got a why and, and there's a little bit of cynicism about it mm-hmm. I, I, I don't buy that shit start with why is still the best thing out there in terms yeah. of al- al- aligning you with with a direction M- maybe not a task maybe not a job and and you've got to believe in something bigger than you the world will be so small if you didn't believe in something bigger than you so yeah. i yeah i mean i use it all the time and i feel him but i met simon at an event a few months ago, and he was one of the most humble, lovely people I've ever met, and I didn't expect that, and that sounds really bad and, and judgmental of me, but I didn't expect that, so I start in the same place as you, Holly, now, that's good, how'd you get them, because, because the reason they're still in the job 20 years later, by the way, is the fact that they've been doing it for 20 years, and they think that's all they can do, yeah. And, and and the reason that they've not done anything else and I see this all the time is because they think they haven't got the skills or the university degree or the experience to do something else not realizing that none of those things matter anymore or matter mm-hmm. less than they've ever mattered. So so understanding what they should be doing or want to do or feel that they can do and starting how do you get them to start how do you how do you get them to to stop stopping and start starting?
1: Um, you know, I really believe in um, the value of community, and I think one of the best things about community is holding we hold each other accountable for something. So I get people to start by holding them accountable for an action, right? Like I think that's the cool thing about facilitating a workshop or a, a learning lab or a speaking engagement. It's not just about um, igniting people. It's like, okay, now that you're ignited, what are you going to do next? And there's something about people declaring that in a conversation with another person or within a group of people that really makes them feel like um, they can do it, like they can actually act on that step. So really creating some level, some like system of accountability that makes people do the step um, is how I've always been able to get people to start.
0: That's great. I love, I love that idea of community responsibility and kind of pair it pairing people up or pairing or pairing responsibility for actions up because if someone's watching me I don't go large on the meal if no one's watching me I may go large on the meal and <laughs> and, and, and there's an element of judgment isn't there <laughs> that that's built into some of this stuff it's really interesting that is and how, you know that's brilliant and I, and I and I love it but but talk to me about cuz I just I, I love the time that we've spent together and I love spending the time it's at the always
1: lectures. so good man
0: and I love when you came on my course and the you, you, you were stuck at that point I think it's fair to say you you kind of knew where you wanted to go but you but you hadn't you hadn't given authority or you hadn't given the responsibility to yourself to move forward how did you start starting
1: ah uh god i remember that trip um i came to london specifically for your workshop oh thank you um and then i was like oh okay i should like take a vacation then so i took this two-week trip and i was like i was in a uh, entrepreneurship is hard man and i was in one of those spots where i was like i know what i need to do but i'm kind of scared but i'm not gonna say i'm scared out loud because that's not what entrepreneurs do i had this whole like mindset about like what success looked like and i was just like you know let me just shake it let me just shake some shit up and see what happens and i knew because i know you're just a straight shooter like when i met you you had on a de la soul t-shirt um (laughs) but i was just like i know if there's anything that's gonna shake me to my core and make me rethink it would be a session with mark and i was just like i need to get I don't don't know, I was trying to find what the barrier was that was in the way, and I'll never forget, I I feel like I tell you this every time we chat, but you said to me, take my foot off the brake. And I was like, oh, oh, like I hadn't even thought the whole time that I was being the barrier, right? So that was just like, okay, all right, what do I do next? And I knew that I I I was trying to grow a team and I had someone on my team who wasn't the right fit, but I wasn't having the conversation. And I was just like, okay, no, this person has to go. This isn't in alignment with the vision. And I just started making changes because I realized I was in the way. And I just, it helped me get crystal clear again about what I had to do to, you know, honor the vision. And I just kept doing that. Even when I was afraid, I was just like, we just got to keep doing that and keep doing that. And um, I was able to learn and grow in those spaces of discomfort. Again, Will Smith and, quick like insta story on his page the other day was speaking about this but just like failing and growing through it and that became like the process like relentlessly exploring um the things that made me curious and the things I wanted to contribute and then I got back into this group I was like oh right there is no like no one can tell me how to do it because it's like my own path it's whatever I want it to be and it's hard being first or like doing a thing first But I'm like, hey, it's either this or that feeling in London. And I definitely don't want that again.
0: (laughs) Thank you. That's lovely. And it's interesting. How would you describe if you met me at a party and I said, what do you do? (laughs) Because we're shit at this. We don't actually think we don't actually ask what do you think or what do you believe? Or we always look for a job title. Mm -hmm. And When you described what you did earlier there was a load of stuff there and I had a really interesting conversation a couple today actually around around how how we get away from judging people by by description of their kind of like economic merit and it may not even be economic merit kind of like self worth in, in terms of business sense. How do you describe what you do and how do you respond when people don't respond.
1: How do I respond when people don't respond? Um, You know, that question is just a terrible question. Um, Because you don't know shit about me if I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. I can still be a jackass. I could be the most like, mean person in the world, right? Like that title doesn't define who I am. So the first step for me when I hear the question is always like, okay, what are they really trying to get to the core of? And like, what do I want to talk about in this conversation? And for me, something like, what do you do usually means like, how'd you get invited to this event? Or like, why are you at this event? And I usually don't talk about what I do. I talk about why I do. So if I, again, like going back to that space of why, um, I'm answering a question that's really what I want to be centering the conversation around or how I really genuinely want to learn about a person. Um, and I think too, some people just don't, right? It's don't know how to ask good questions because it's not something that we learn in school. It's not something that someone teaches us regularly. So we're just recycling the question we always hear, like, what do you do? Why are you here? You know, what are you up to? Um, and when people don't respond, I, I, I've learned ways to like pivot from the conversation. But I always send a question back, you know, like what are you up to right now, or you know, what are you most excited about, or, you know, what made you come out tonight? Depending on the space, and, like, how do we create like a real human conversation?
0: That level of um, humanity is missing in in many transactions, and they and they've, that's the thing transactions they've, they've become yeah. transactions, and they've not and they've and they've stopped becoming inquiry, and they've stopped becoming. Um, they've stopped becoming curiosity, and 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 I loved your first response to that was, what are they really, or words to this effect? What are they really asking? How much mm-hmm. money are, do you earn? Where where do you sit in the social hierarchy relative to me? And I, I once we once lived in a place that was really um, uh, kind of uh, materialistic. It was a it was a little town in the middle of England called Market Bosworth, and it was just. The weirdest place where people would genuinely ask you where you schooled your children. And, wow. And Nicola got asked, what does your husband do? More than she got asked, what do you do? What
1: does your husband do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was wow. a fucking horrible place, I'll be honest. Um, uh, but but these places still exist. And and all they're doing is that they're, they're, they're trying to create a structure, a, a, a a tiering, a hierarchy and for them to understand where they sit relative to you. And what I love about what you do and what I love about what I do is I cut through that. We cut through that shit and and we ask them something about belief because they ain't used to that. And, and, And suddenly it opens up another conversation. And I think it gives an opportunity to find their real voice.
1: Yeah, man. And that's the fun part. Like once you get past the first question, like then you can have a big, like a larger conversation and actually get to know what some, get to know someone like that's fun.
0: Yeah, totally. So and I I know with Oratory Glory and I know a lot of the stuff you talk about is about finding voice. How do you, where does that fit in the work that you're doing at the moment?
1: Uh, Oh my gosh. I think, well, first, I think it's, I would say it's more owning voice, right? Like, the finding is important. And then the actual practicing that agency to use your voice to create something, to leave a real mark, I think that's the place where we find ourselves working in the most. Um, And for me... all all of my work is wrapped in that, right? Like me going and doing a talk is the ownership of my voice to leave my mark on a group or, you know, um, to share a philosophy, right? Um, Collaborating with a client, like, hell yeah, we want to make sure the the utmost, if we are serving you in the way that we say we will, this project will be you owning your voice to leave your mark. Um, And that's like the intent we have across everything we do. Um, when I'm in a podcast, like I said yes to this cause I'm like, ah, oh, man, let me listen to these. Cause I know Mark is going to ask me some, he's going to ask me some for real questions. So even this like is the, a, a platform for the ownership of voice. So I think if anything, that is like my guiding value in whatever I'm doing, whether I'm teaching or coaching or strategizing with a client or speaking at an engagement, um, that is like the goal, the ownership of voice. Because there's a ton of other voices out here that are saying some ridiculous things, um, and I think oh, you've we got need one more light f- in the world to uh, diffuse that.
0: You've got one crazy fucking voice out there at the moment. It is scary. <laughs> you know, you know when the main guy behind one of the main right wing misinformation <sighs> channels leaves the other guy. You know the other guy's a nutter, don't you? You just know yeah. that. Yeah. I mean that yeah. is, that is mad. I, I, I wanna come back to this this whole idea of, of owning voice. Because this mm-hmm. this feels like like responsibility, it feels like authority, it feels like being standing up and being counted. That that that's what I'm seeing How do you define those words, owning your voice?
1: Again, I think it is for, like we talked about, right, how our work is similar and that we help people identify what their thing is. So I think it's for people to decide, like, what does owning your voice look like to you? And when I think about defining it, it's like freedom, right? The freedom to be fully, creatively self-expressed. Because for you, you know, your love might be like Moo, her love is food. And, you know, for someone else, it might be sports. For someone else, it might be... Um, marketing, it could be anything, but what does it mean to be just fully unlocked in that thing that sets you on fire? That's I think that's what the responsibility of it is.
0: That's beautiful. What does it mean, to, I'm writing this down, to be fully unlocked? <laughs> that is, that's brilliant, brilliant, Holly. Absolutely brilliant. And Holly, can you remember a time where you weren't unlocked? Can you remember what you were locked by? Can you remember how how that felt
1: yeah um damn most recently i mean last year if um i mean i've shared i I share with my friends i share i try to use my social media to share in that way like what my journey of becoming and self-development has looked like but yes last year i suffered from like extreme anxiety And it was, like, being caught between this space of past and future. So it was just, like, I'm worried about something that hasn't even happened yet. And that is just, like, an intense, a very, very intense feeling to start your days. But it, like, steals the present away from you. Because you're so caught in between, oh, what did what I do yesterday? Like, mess up what could possibly happen, like, five years from now? It's just, like. A really intense anxiety around um, wanting to make sure that what I was doing was impactful and it was I had to have a moment and a a lot of conversations with mentors and my partner Coley and friends of like you got to just learn to just be here now and I was like yeah right because all I have is like this now moment and I'm like oh yeah So I just got back to, like, what does it mean to be, you know, to make impact is to be your fully creative, creatively self-expressed self. So I'm like, oh, let me go back to the things that make me feel creative. I'm like, "Ah, I love food. I'm like, "Ah, I've been saying I want to ride BMX. I'm going to buy a freestyle bike this year. I'm like, oh, I love fashion. Like, how can I create some sustainable like clothing in the world? So now I'm like, oh, okay. I can operate in this place. I don't have to have anxiety about it. All I have to do is wake up and choose to create.
0: And do you, and uh, there's two things there. There's an album by Oasis called "Be Here Now," and "Be Here Now" is a lovely mm. Zen phrase. And they are about the least Zen band I can imagine. But but how how do you respond? Does that? How do people respond to you when one day you're designing clothes or 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 or, or talking about? creating sustainable fashion and the next day you're presenting on voice and the next day they see you out on the bike it goes back to this this question that i had originally i think about how people view you do you confuse people when you are able to shift between those different functions so fluidly
1: um that's so funny. I don't even think about that. I don't think about whether I confuse people. I think myself, I'm like, right, that's why I wrote my book, Tell Me About Yourself, because I'm like, how the hell do, if you know me, like, my friends know I don't talk about what I do often, I just do the work. So because I, because doing the work exists across so many different disciplines and mediums for me, I do really think a lot about like, oh, how the hell do I explain this so that someone understands because it might be something they want, might want to be a part of, or, you know, we might be able to collaborate together or I may be able to make a connection for them or vice versa. So I think for me, I'm in my head around like, does this make sense? How does this make sense? I'm confusing myself. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, that's such a great question. And
0: it's, it's a tricky and an ongoing challenge that I think we have where when when traditional jobs aren't traditional anymore and when yeah and when you know task rabbit and the gig economy changes what we do and and yet there's still this clumsy interconnect between the new world where it's okay to do lots of different things because it's how you do it as much and why you do it as much as what you do and the old yeah. world that is all about what you do and how much you earn and I guess we've got a we've got a messy couple of decades before the new the old people die
1: oh absolutely but I- <laughs> I think they could die or they could also like make a different choice too. Right. Cause it's not just like, okay to be doing mul- multiple different things. It's like, it's necessary. Like how many projects are you working on right now? And are they all like impact driven?
0: Yeah. They're all, they're all output driven and I'm working right. on about 20, I think.
1: 20, right? Yeah, 20. Yeah. But you have to create.
0: Yeah. 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 You do. You absolutely do. Wow. How's the book going?
1: It's been an interesting process. Um, I never wanted to write a book. I think I'd even like said that before. And it's so funny when I was like, "What am I doing writing a book?" That process was uh, an exercise and unraveling. And I, because I had to actually do the process that I talk about in the book. Like, here is this six step process for how to accurately and artfully define yourself, no matter what conversation you're in, whether it's like your Instagram bio, you know, your website bio and in-person conversation, here is how to convey, you know, the who and not the what. And I had to go through it to make sure it was right. And I was like, does this make sense? I was just going through the motions. And then I came out of it like, okay, I've created something. And I think it would be useful for as many people as possible to have it. So when we talk about like multi me and my team started talking about it. And my, my, um, my friend Craig was like, you know, you've done your Reasonable Doubt. This is like, this is the first album. So we got to treat this like an album. And I was just like joking with them, like, all right, what is, the, what is platinum for a book? And I was just like, all right, we got to sell 100,000 copies by next December. But and talking about 2018. And everybody's like, "Yeah, let's." I say the most ridiculous, like, we can talk about to you know how we feel about big ideas. Um, but I was like 100K, and everybody was like, "Let's do it." So the book is exciting right now. We're we're strategizing for what it looks like to sell um, as many copies of the book as possible to get it like around the world, and that's been fun. Um, the first leg of the book tour was fun. We're planning another leg for the top of 2019. We're just, it's fun to be in a position where I can take an idea or a project that I'm working on and have my friends collaborate with me to blow it up. That's brilliant.
0: That's brilliant. And I love the fact you've described it like an album. And when, when band, band's first albums are written when they're hungry and, 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 Mm -hmm. and, and they're free. They're free of the success of the album. And their second album is like half the songs that never made it on the first album and a few written while they were gigging the first album. And their third album written when they're rich and fat and they actually don't, and they're not hungry for it anymore. How, how would you stay hungry for it? How would you ensure that your third book stroke album is <laughs> as relevant as this first one?
1: Relevant. Hmm. Um, I, I don't remember, I've never not been hungry. (laughs) And I think that hunger is not about competition or like selling millions of albums. It's like, this album will be better because I've evolved in some way. Right. So how am I creating, creating projects that, um, are an embodiment of evolution and how do they help other people evolve? So as long as, again, I stick to that theme, then it's 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 easy to stay hungry,
0: and you can. It's pull, like, can you pull lessons from that? Are you able to? I mean, I can see that the work you do is incredibly impactful. Are you able to take the learnings and share those in a way that inspires others?
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, that is when I'm when I'm doing a speaking engagement or when I'm hosting an event, I say yes to the things that. Um, Will help me to share what I've learned and also learn from other people. So those are I'm having those conversations all the time about the process of becoming and you know the Tell Me About Yourself book and how to apply that process to yourself and your team and your relationships um, and helping people like share those tools and the things I'm learning about lead my own leadership and self development. I I um. Was like looking up leadership styles and i was like oh what is my leadership style and it was like yeah transformational leadership and i'm like absolutely if i if we engage and connect and whether it's just a conversation or me on a stage i want people to walk away from a conversation with me feeling like they're transformed and unlocked in some kind of way um i want people to feel like an exchange of because." like we talked about, there's so much dark energy in, in in the world right now. So I'm like if every conversation with me feels like that, then it's easy to stay hungry.
0: That's brilliant. And Holly, uh, we're gonna I'm trying to keep these to like forty minutes so people can listen to them on a run or on the way to work. And we're we're okay. we're about there. But I'm acutely aware that this could go on for ages. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask <laughs> to do like a second album version of this conversation. <laughs> We're um, going to put out a double CD. Mark. I think we should do a gatefold. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm back on vinyl, Holly. Um, but just, you yes, vinyl. you're, you you're, you're incredible. And, and the free, there's two final questions. The freedom that you, 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 you espouse and talk about, it's quite clear that you are fully unlocked. And that, just explain to someone that isn't how that feels.
1: Um, I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't even say fully. Um, I I feel like there are still things that I'm like working on and working through. I think it's just the choice to work through them. Like, right? We all know we have issues that we need to work through, or you know, habits or beliefs that we need to transform. But it's like choosing every day to do that to actually do the work. And for me, I I know that I've reached I definitely feel like I'm operating in a different level of consciousness. And it is heightened for me, like that there is more possible. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna keep going. But I don't know that we're ever like fully unlocked, you know?
0: That's interesting. It's a process, not a not not a destination.
1: Definitely. It is I'm- not an end goal. It is like literally like committing to growing and growing and gro- and growing some more and until- so
0: That's amazing. And how, I I mentioned this earlier and I kind of asked you to remind me about it, but I remembered. Um, You seem to have grown a team on trust, not control. Mm -hmm. And, And you've kind of alluded to the fact that some of the fit wasn't right to start off with. Some of the people in the team didn't quite fit, not that they were bad or anything. They just weren't quite right. How do you trust yourself to choose people who then trust you
1: yeah um uh, this a lot this was a lot of last year too it was just learning how to let go of you know when you start a business and you have this big vision in mind it's, it's your baby so you're like all right i try to let you know i've worked with some folks before i trusted them with the baby It didn't really work out let me just still do all the things um but I was like, you know, that's, not, that's actually not a useful way to function. So I was like, how do I operate in service of the vision? Like, is this in service of the vision? And I had to ask that question of myself. And I was like, okay, no. Like, who do I need on my team? These are the types of people that I need to help me execute these projects. I know I need honest people. I know I need proactive people. I know I need people who challenge ideas Um, I know I need people who have done everything from like marketing to like PhDs in literature. Like we have this, um, multidisciplinary crew and I was intentional about choosing people who knew way more about me than areas that I know I needed to apply to the business somehow. And I checked people's track record. I think for me early on, I just, I took people's word for it if they said that they were a certain person. Um, and I was like, oh, right, you have to check references and, like, really know that people have some skin in the game. So I I took a lot of L's before I started seeing W's. And I just noticed the people who had been around me for the last 10 years who were working hard in whatever their lane was were really leveling up. And we were friends and we stayed in touch about projects. And it was just like, okay, now we're at a place where this is, like, our core unit. And that took me, like, a year and a half to... Grow through my own like ego things around letting go and and asking for help and taking my foot off the brake and all of that stuff um, and then people were going through their own growth so now we're in a space where we're like we have a really solid core team and we contract and expand on projects as needed for like outside outside work and then we get to do some really cool stuff internally too so um, that's been a hard a hard journey but i'm really happy for um what we've been able to create as a team now
0: that's brilliant that's that's been a really lovely in your words exchange of light thank you so very much and just finish really quickly just remind me of that will Smith will smith quote again
1: oh uh hold on i have it in my vision doc uh you have to live at the edge of your capabilities
0: that's just lovely it's absolutely brilliant Holly, you've been fantastic and thank you so much. We're going to do this for certain. We're going to do this again.
1: Yes, please. Yes, please. I hope I see you at Do this year.
0: I hope you see me at Do this year. Do USA.
1: No, no. Wales.
0: You coming to Wales? I want to. Yeah, it's the 10th anniversary. I will definitely... I know. I will definitely be there. Wow. Hopefully you got something from that. I really enjoyed um, doing that one. Obviously, you'll have picked up. We did that one um, over the internet um, rather than in person. And uh, I picked up so much from this. Much that I didn't know um, fell out of that one. And th- th- that, that Will Smith quote is just, just beautiful and it, it, quite an inspiring um, conversation. And I just love a couple of things Holly said. Before the poking, go to the becoming. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And um, what does it mean to be fully unlocked? That I think so many of us walk around with a, a restraining or a constraining bolt in place. And I just think that um, understanding how you can unlock yourself and what that means in terms of possibility is crucial. So uh, her, her message is really clear. I love the, the focus is this in service of my vision? And I I, I just thought it was a beautiful conversation. Um, so Holly, thank you so much. Hopefully you enjoyed it, got something from it. Please um, let me know if you didn't. Let me know if you did. Um, tell people about it and um, yeah, keep keep listening for the next one. Thank you.